Hello. Hi, 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 hi. How are you? Um, I want to say I'm pretty good, but you know, and many of our listeners know I'm kind of depressed. Mm -hmm. So I'm fine. And also everything is sort of flavorless and shitty. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it can't always be good, right? Because then we wouldn't appreciate when it is good. Well, here's the thing. It's like, I feel like most of my life, everything has been pretty good, even when things are kind of shitty. The difference about between like normal amounts of things are fine and things are shitty and like depression for me is that I I don't, I almost don't even know how to describe it. It's like, there's like a veil that comes down or a curtain Mm -hmm. that comes down that makes me like sort of unable to cope with it in normal ways. But thankfully for me, it's usually pretty short lived. It's been happening like a little bit more lately, but I think that's because I've also just stopped using some negative coping mechanisms, like being too busy. And like, now that I have more time, I'm more aware of how I feel. And I've been kind of depressed lately. Yeah. And it's not the like, fun kind. I don't know if this is something you can relate to, but like sometimes <laughs> when I feel the blues coming on, there's a part of me that's like, Ooh, I'm going to get to like be cozy and cocoon up and like not do anything. Even though it's not yeah. necessarily a positive, there's like a piece of me that's like excited to do that because it like gives me permission to not have to do all the other stuff. Yeah. And maybe part of what's happening for me is like, I have been giving myself permission to cocoon already. Mm. So waking up one day and being like, Oh shit, I feel like I'm, I might be a little bit depressed. Um, doesn't feel like fun permission to cocoon. It feels like, Oh, now the cocooning's not even going to be fun because I just feel shitty Yeah, for no reason. I mean, not no reason. There's also a bunch of stressors in my life, which we won't go into, but, um, yeah, if anybody's listening and you feel the same way, we would love to hear from you more about that. Um, Everything's fine and I hate everything. Yeah. I think that's uh-huh. I think that's good to be honest about too. So that mm-hmm. um yeah, well, I hope that it turns around and also I'm here to hang out with you if you're mopey. It doesn't matter. Isn't that nice? Thanks. You just have you just have a hangout friend no matter what. Yeah. Well yeah. Welcome to Schmodcast. That's the name of this podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> it's a podcast called Schmodcast and I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. Well, this is a great podcast. You know what? I just got to say, everybody, I know on all of our recent episodes, we're always talking about how the only people who listen are people who know us, which is probably true. But I just want to encourage you also, we're not saying that to say that you can't share it with somebody who doesn't know us. I think um, a lot of the podcasts I most enjoy listening to are kind of... um, chatter. Mm -hmm. Like it's interesting things that people are talking about, but I also don't have to put a lot of effort into paying attention. And if I don't like a topic they're talking about, I just skip that episode and go to the next one. So that's kind of what we're trying to create here. So if you know anybody who would like that, that kind of company, um, feel free to share it with other people. I realized I'm just saying this because I realized we, we always talk about how the only people who listen are our friends and family. That doesn't mean you're not welcome to share it with other people. And who knows? They might be new friends of ours. So maybe share it from that perspective in case you want to connect us. Well, I'm the cruise director for this episode, Rebecca. Usually it's Rachel, but I'm taking a stab. And uh, this, this episode, number seven, can you even believe, 
is called ah. The Purge. And it's a little bit because we're in the Halloween season and there's a scary movie called The Purge. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Rachel, but it's no. it's scary. We should watch it. It's good. And, but I don't like scary movies. Yeah, but but wouldn't it be nice if I got to watch a if movie? If I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, I got to, if I got to watch a movie with you that I want to share with yeah. you, wouldn't that be good? I'll try, and if it's too scary, you can watch it by yourself, and I'll just go be depressed in my room. Perfect. Everybody wins. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> so it's not like a total Halloween theme because I didn't want it to be like something that everybody just immediately clicks next if they're listening to it in April or for us when we revisit it. But I did think it would be mm-hmm. fun to have a little bit of a theme around purging. And so for the intro, since it's Halloween season, I wanted to ask you, Rachel, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Okay, so every scary movie I've ever seen scares me. I like suspense. Mm-hmm. And true crime and thrillers, but any scary movie with supernatural things happening Mm -hmm. actually scares the shit out of me. And so probably the scariest one ever was the first one I ever really saw, which was The Exorcist. Mm. And I, I was like 13. My brother and his friends were watching it. I was allowed to come watch with them. I think I made it through the first scene where the little girl gets possessed and starts like cursing and using the deep, like devil voice and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm out. (laughs) I cannot. And it haunted me for years. It didn't help that I was sharing a room with my younger sister, Anna, who was approximately the age of that girl in the movie. So I spent basically all night for the rest of the time that we shared a room like monitoring her for signs of possession and worried that she was going to like sit up in her bed and just be the devil. And do the vomit thing. Yeah. The vomit and the like thrashing about mm-hmm. and cr- like crawling, I don't know, like on her hands down the Creepy stairs crawling. or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it still scares me just to think about it, but yeah, the exorcist is my answer. Final answer. <clears throat> I've often wondered if you watched a scary movie on mute, if you would still find it scary. Cause I think the yes. music is yeah. the scariest part of all of that stuff. Oh, the music definitely like makes it even worse, especially when there. I do not like movies that things jump out at nobody you, likes like that. the startle yeah. factor. But like Rebecca, I've never seen The Ring. I've only seen previews for The Ring, and I'm t- and it scared the shit out of me. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the the radio commercials for haunted houses. I used to be like angry that they were allowed to put those on the radio. <laughs> You're like, I don't consent. Yeah. I was terrified of the sounds. Oh. Yeah. So maybe it is mostly a sound thing. Yeah. yeah. What about you? I, um, I don't, I think scary, most scary movies are hilarious. And so for a long time, I didn't go see scary movies with people because I would ruin that fear. Like if people wanted to go to a scary movie to be afraid, I would ruin it with um uncontrollable laughter because i think they're like pretty silly uh but things that jump out obviously scare you but i like that feeling i like that little tingle Mm. of you know you're alive um but the actual scariest movie i've ever seen and i was actually afraid of this was the shining and to this day see that one's not scary to to me i don't know why that's considered a horror movie to this day jack nicholson really really bothers me like i know he is not I know he's there's not, a lot of reasons Jack Nicholson might bother a person the, but the yeah. only one for me though because I, I don't follow him because he scares me but mm-hmm. the first like that well that one in the witches of Eastwick he's also in that one and he's also scary in that 
Um, so those are like, that's so funny you mentioned that because neither, I've seen both of those and I think those are funny. They are funny, but like he is horrifying. So yeah, he's. Gross. I watched that movie at um, nine years old. And so that's the main reason uh-huh. that's that why. it scared me. That's I was why. way too young to consume that content. Um, I can watch it now and it's like funny to me, except he is still very scary. That's so funny. The only thing in The Shining that scared me was the twin girls in the hallway of blood. Mm-hmm. You didn't... You, All the rest of it, I was like, I do not understand any of the rest oh, of it. Oh, a thousand spoilers, by the way, everybody. I hope you've seen these movies. But what about Old Lady uh, in the Bathtub? On. She didn't scare you? I don't even remember that you part. You blocked it because it how was much so it didn't terrifying. Scare I think the twins in the hallway or the girls, I don't know if they were twins, whatever. Yeah. They scared me. They scare me because anytime I go to a new hallway with like a long, you know how they're like quiet mm-hmm. and unfamiliar and all, there's all these doors that different people are behind and you don't know who's behind those doors. Yeah. So like I'm already kind of creeped out in a hotel hallway mm-hmm. and you add, if it looks anything like the hallway yeah. of The Shining, I'm it's scared scary. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and like normally, scary movies in general don't really scare me because I I like I can't suspend my disbelief enough to like let it come over me, and so like mm. most most movies as soon as there's some sort of like supernatural fantastical thing happening, you've lost me. The ones that I think yeah. are actually scary is more like the true crime stuff of like a random killer could come kill you or like a regular person did something. So the so the shining is so like funny. an interesting marriage of scaries for me because that person went slowly insane. I think because of the house, I was too young to really understand what was happening. Um, yeah, but he is a like he was a a human being who like lost it and then started trying to murder his family. So that so you were like this is actually possible. This is yeah a, like, like ho- this hopefully is not possible for most real. of us, but like it could have happened. And so that was like that. Yeah. And he those eyebrows. He's maniacal. So. I know he's really gross. <laughs> that's so funny. We're literally the opposite. The things that scare me the most are like I made the mistake of watching like one poltergeist movie and and I couldn't sleep yeah. for probably like seven years. Yeah. So yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm glad to know that though. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna <laughs> while you're traveling. I'm gonna rewatch The Exorcist to see if I if it is scary because I just yeah. have it in my head it's not. Yeah. Don't watch together. No, we won't watch that. that t- I won't do that you. to you. Um, well, so we have a couple of things to talk about with our connects and corrects. And yes. um, I wanted to start actually with our neighbor, Tracy. She emailed us on the Schmodcast, um, Schmodcast the podcast at Gmail. She was our yes, very first fan email. Oh, well, neighbor, neighbor <laughs> Tracy says, thank you for getting me through the early hours learning about tiny bug lungs. Really just <laughs> wanted to be one of the first uh, one of your first fan emails. Congratulations. You were our first and only fan email. Yes, Tracy. And she has a question for us, which is who plays the ukulele or ukulele for the intro? And I'm really happy <laughs> to report that's Rachel. Rachel's uke yeah. skills um, grace yep. us. They bless us at the beginning of every one of these episodes. Yes, uh, that's on a, a ukulele, ukulele checked out from the Hawaii Public Library mm. System. If you're trying to learn the uke, check out your local library. Apparently, even not in Hawaii, a lot of libraries check them out. Isn't that brilliant? It's such a good resource, the library. And they have more than books, y'all. Check it out. Way more than books. Yeah. Way more. They've got Shania Twain CDs. They have Celine Dion CDs. They've got magazines. 
Our, ours also has like a set of, uh, like a whole shelf of books that it's just like honor system, buy a book for a, a quarter. If you want one of the books on that shelf, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. They mostly seem um, to be like cookbooks from like 1984. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but there was like that one that was like all about beagles. That's right. We should have got mm-hmm. that for a quarter. Yeah. Should have. Um, we have another shout out for another Tracy. Ah. Tracy L. Rogers, our astrologer friend. Um, we mentioned her on a previous episode and um, just wanted to circle back to that because we talked about horoscopes a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do not already, if you're at all interested in astrology, which I was not when I first met Tracy. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and then she, she, she was like, Hey, Rachel, you don't have to believe literally all of it word for word. It's a, one of the many tools we can use to explore how we feel about this weird thing of being alive and how we relate to ourselves and to each other and to the planets and the earth that we're on. Um, so if you're at all interested, check out her weekly horoscopes. You can sign up for her newsletter too. She's Tracy. That's T R A C E Y L the letter L Rogers.com Tracy L Rogers.com. Um, it's Rebecca. I think you would agree with me. It's just been nice to take a few minutes out of the week to sort of reflect, set intentions. Yeah. Um, maybe think about how you hope your day or your week or your month or your year will go. And then if you want to get more into it, um, Tracy also sells, she'll make your birth chart. Mm -hmm. She will give you an annual horoscope. You can do like a series of meetings with her to learn more. And she's also, um, a licensed life coach. So she can combine life coaching and astrology or just do one or the other. I've had her make these amazing baby books Mm. for friends as well. Like I've purchased some of her custom baby books. So if you know anybody who just had a kid or if you have a kid, you give, um, Tracy their, uh, date, time and location of birth. And she can make them these gorgeous, um, keepsakes that have their birth chart and explain some things that you might expect, um, will come into play in that person's life. It's really interesting. I know that you um, got one for your godson. Do you, do you remember any of the things that she saw about his birth chart that maybe you're coming to be coming to pass about his personality now that he's a little older? Well, I had the, I mean, this was like a huge turning point for me on astrology is that I just happened to be with Tracy in the desert in Jordan Mm -hmm. when my godson was born and we laid under the stars together and she was able to like, look up at the sky and be like, this is, this is what's happening with the stars. Like as your godchild is being born. Yeah. And, um, one of the things she told me before I even had that baby book made was uh, that he was going to really enjoy the outdoors. Mm. He was going to be an outdoorsy person. And I did not mention this to my sister. And when I first got to visit her after she had him and um, like just interact with the baby, one of the things she told me was, you know, he's when he's fussing, one of the only things that soothes him is to take him outside. (laughs) And I was like, you're not going to believe this. Like Tracy told me that would be true about him. And sure enough, that was one of the things in his baby book too, is that like he was going to really enjoy nature. That's so sweet. See, it's, it's real and take it or leave it y'all. It's just nice to have. I like the idea of connecting us with nature and the universe and also just a little framework. Like sometimes I get, 
I don't know, I'm just tired of all of the logistics and planning of being alive. And so it's nice to have these little newsletters that Tracy sends to just start your week off with just a little bit of a frame up. And then it gives me a chance to just reflect on it and then think about what I want for the week without having to create my own framework and format and then fill in the prompts. Like it's just nice to be spoon fed that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, hey, can I, I, I thought of three other really quick connects and corrects because I was re-listening to some previous episodes. Um, and from the last episode, episode six, I just want to acknowledge that I am not sure how to pronounce Jeff Goldblum's name. I'm so So, glad uh, that you brought this up because I also (laughs) spent an embarrassing amount of time this morning listening to different, um, late night hosts introduce Jeff. They were saying Goldblum. I know. You know what I think it is? I think it's, um, I think the original name from wherever it's probably from in Europe has a sound that we don't have in American English. Mm. And so I think we are overdoing it when we bloom, we almost like put like a Y in it, bloom. Mm -hmm. And, and when actually it's like a, um, but not an, um, I think it's supposed to be like gold bloom. Not bloom with a twang, Mm -hmm. but also saying blum is not correct. So whatever, call him whatever you want. I just want to make sure that every episode we talk about Ian, Jeff, Goldblum. Yeah, Malcolm. Um, I want another thing. Oh, go oh ahead. no! I was just going to offer. There's a really funny video too, where he actually explains. Like, I did saw you see that. it? Yeah. Spoiler yeah, alert! He's like, it's, spoiler alert! It's like he's a like, decade everybody's old. Always, <laughs> he's like, everybody always asks me how to pronounce my name, and my answer is, "How dare you speak to me?" <laughs> or something like so that. Funny. Yeah. Oh, you were saying second well, thing. Well, another thing. Uh, uh, last episode, our new Ian was the the actor who plays Gretchen Wiener in the Mean Girls and I'm pretty sure her name is Lacey Chabert I didn't look it up I just remembered it so mm. we were naming the main characters in Mean Girls and we were like and that and one, that one plays, plays Gretchen. yeah I think it's Lacey Chabert she was also in Party of Five yes um, well we were on series. a major role of not knowing what we were talking about last episode I know and hippos are only the they kill the most. They are the <laughs> mammal that kills the most humans every year. Mammal. Okay. The, the actual animal that kills the most humans every year is by far the mosquito. mosquito. Yeah. Those bastards. Now, I am not sure if that means, like, is it the mosquito actually no, killing a person the or is the mosquito carrying a disease that yeah. kills a person? I don't know why that counts. But hippos kill like 500 people a year. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, I know a fun fact about a hippo, really just this one thing, is that the the German word for hippo is Nilfaird, and I find that really hilarious. Wait, say it again? Nilfaird. And it's because Fared means like horse or something, and then Nile. So they're just saying it's like a a river horse is a hippo. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great name for it. Yeah. So when we talk about hippos going forward, I would... uh, Appreciate it if we just refer to them as Neil Fairds. Thank you. I'm going to call them river horses. I like that too. Yeah. Any other connects or corrects or maybe any mistakes we've no. made so far that we want to just go ahead and nip in the bud? We have made so <laughs> many mistakes, but those are the only ones I feel compelled to correct. <laughs> we'll just leave the other ones. Let them lie. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, did you want to share your hot top, or I can go first if you like. Um. Yeah, you go first. You're directing. Yeah. So tell me everything. This one I'm very excited about because again, the episode is the purge. We're just thinking about things to shed or get rid of. I had um, a weird work call earlier this week, and I don't plan on talking about work very much, so don't worry. Nobody check out yet. This is what? this is going to get interesting. Okay. <laughs> so this this unfortunate person was talking to me about who cares what work stuff, work 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 agenda, and. There's a lot of, like, insider speak in my industry, a lot of, like, dumb baseball or sports terms. Or like people just, like, they use all of these idiosyncrasies or, or idioms, rather, idioms to describe what they're saying instead of just saying what they literally mean. And this person mm-hmm. said, open the kimono. And I oh. just, I stopped listening. That phrase makes me so angry. And for it's like it's a perfect storm of like sexist and racist and yeah I don't know what else what other is and what what most people mean when they say that is they're just trying to say I'm gonna let you in on a secret or I'm gonna share private details about something I'm gonna say something that's not for like mass consumption so instead of just saying those things that would make sense they they often use this phrase and I thought we'd I thought we had buried that one a long time ago. I thought everybody knew that that was like a totally inappropriate phrase and we shouldn't say it anymore. But this person who's has no obvious excuse for not knowing that just used it out in the plain light of day. Mm. And then it reminded me in my anger of our book club, FFFF, also known as Feminists for Fucking Freedom. There was one month years ago (laughs) where we talked about this very thing and we decided that we would make an alternative hyper-feminized like catchphrase to like offset all of the ones that were offensive and i pulled that google sheet (sighs) up and i thought i forgot our glossary of like feminist terminology we were trying to implement at work so i wanted to share a couple with you and then also there's some that we never did decide alternatives for so maybe we could do like a quick brainstorm or invite the people who are listening to offer theirs okay so the first one is um, powwow, which most people are using to say, let's Ooh, get together yeah. to discuss an issue or solve a problem. But there's obviously like a whole bunch of reasons why we white people shouldn't just use the term powwow, especially in North America. Um, so the feminized figure of speech that we got, came up with was just to have a knitting circle or a book club. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that. Um, one of one of my favorites is um, it, the masculine, masculinized or like sports reference would be like we're in the home stretch. When people use that term, they mean like let you know just final steps. Going to be painful, but it's going to be worth it. Um, the feminized figure of speech we came up with was a bikini wax, which just really tickles me. Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. Still could be problematic because I'm not necessarily encouraging that you have to have one. But for anybody who's ever had one, you get that that's a better descriptor than the home stretch. It definitely works. It's at least a good alternative. Yeah. And then one of the other ones that I really liked was, um, so the bad phrase is to get gypped, which is um, to talk. Yeah. It's problematic for anybody who doesn't know because it's about gypsies, which is also a term that we're not supposed to use. Um, but it means to be... Yeah, it's a derogatory term for an entire ethnic group exactly. called the Roma. It's supposed yeah. to mean that you were robbed or cheated. And so uh, an alternative figure of speech that I'm really into is to be Goldman Sachsed 
or <laughs> <laughs> the um, or the other one to to <laughs> highlight the um, the pay inequities between men and women is to say what a seventy cents on the dollar that was. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. What a seventy cents on the dollar that was. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so those, so we don't have a better version of open the kimono though. That one was still blank. How would you, how would you feel if they just said, I'm going to open my kimono? Does that change it? Maybe because kimonos actually are not gender specific. Like it means rope and like men and women wear them, but the, especially in like, like in most like English speaking societies, when we hear that, we think of a geisha. So it's just immediately yeah. sexist or misogynist. Um, but yeah, maybe if they said that, or I like, I like the cone of silence. I like the tree of trust. I don't think those oh. have like problematic origins and they're fun to say. Or what about, what about like, we're going to use a little makeup remover. Ooh, but then are you revealing to everyone who sees you? Wow. Mhm. I know. I'm not Or how about this? How about this? I'm going to invite you into my makeup studio. Ooh. As in like you get to come see behind the scenes mm-hmm. how we dress the, like what we're starting with and then how we dress it up. That's nice. That's good. Yeah, I don't know. We'll keep workshopping them cuz I do want to actually yeah. find something and then use it at work cuz I do like yeah. I do like throwing people off. I do love a good metaphor. And just for anybody who's out there, like, and if you have a boss or somebody you work with that is using this phrase over and over, if they're saying something else that's gross, here's my favorite thing to do. I invite you to Mm. do it as well. Immediately act like you don't understand the phrase. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, what's that? What's that mean? I don't. Open the kimono? I'm confused. Explain it to me. Because then it helps them unpack why what they said was, like, super gross. Yeah, immediately. Because <laughs> that's super gross. Yeah. It's really bad. Because even just... I've also... That- I've only... The only time I've ever heard that phrase, by the way, Rebecca, is from you when you're talking about these experiences at work. Well... So, like, truly, it's interesting. Like, we just have such different... Um, like, all of us have probably different things that we think are normal gross things that people say. And it might not be normal in other circles. I, I literally would be like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Open the kimono. I've yeah. never heard it. <laughs> the the other one people use, so they move when they found out they when they found out it was bad to say open the kimono, they immediately switched to inside baseball. Which is a But that's also really exclusive. I know. It's at least not offensive, but it is still exclusive. Yeah. I just don't know why we can't say what we actually literally mean. I, which is like I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on a secret. I'm going to be vulnerable with you. I'm going to expose something for you. I'm going to tell you yeah. something that that no one else is going to tell you publicly. Like, that's what they mean, right? Yeah. I, I think, I wonder if some of it comes from just like, like kind of like familect, like any sort of like groups or tribes, like they come up with their own language yeah. and, and corporate America in particular is adopting the same thing. And so while actual professions have professional jargon that they use to communicate very specific meanings in their field that outsiders or lay people don't know or understand. I think corporate America is doing like a bastardized version of that by having all of these like, like mostly masculine 
insider speak thing as a way to mm. not necessarily be exclusive, but that's the that's the outcome. Well, and let's just go ahead and say it's not just mostly masculine. It's a mostly like white masculine right. also and like a Western white masculine, because I've noticed, for example, at my work where I work primarily with non-native English speakers, we don't say that kind of stuff Mm-mm. like you just and I and I still have to find myself. Uh, I find myself like correcting my sentences. I, I might want to use the phrase playing catch up. And I have to think like, is this, is this a phrase a non-native English speaker would be familiar with? Or what am I actually trying to say? And so instead of saying playing catch up, I might say like, I am trying to catch up on work that I missed or, you know, right. like I'm yeah. still trying to, I, I, I haven't grasped the whole situation. So I'm still trying to understand. I don't know. Like, there's, there's a bunch of stuff like that, that I'll just automatically type in an email and then like, oops, rewind. This one doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so like inside baseball, even I would probably be like, I'm not totally sure what you're trying to communicate with me by saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, man. Well, so that was my well, hot top was a little throwback. So interesting. So <laughs> you know how we have been like randomly picking similarly themed hot tops? Stop it. It happened again. How? I thought I was being so clever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But this time my topic is about the word queer and reclaiming that word. So we both picked gender based yeah. topics this time, which is really interesting. Yeah. So... I've been thinking more about this recently, the Q in LGBTQA plus, um, I know that a lot of our older friends in the LGBTQ community really hate the word queer. It was used as a slur against them when they were younger, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people our age and especially younger love the word queer, use it a lot. It's like more of a catch all phrase for anyone who sees themselves as anything besides, um, like monogamous heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Um, so even like when we've described our relationship as a platonic partnership, one of the, one of the ways that's described by other people who practice, who have a similar relationship to ours is they call themselves queer platonic, right. not necessarily because there's any like same sex romance happening in their lives. The word queer there just indicates like, this is not heteronormative, a monogamous relationship. Right. So a lot of polyamorous people, for example, Like you might be a poly woman, um, dating only men, but still choose to refer to yourself as queer because as a polyamorous person, you are outside of the, what was the standardized, both like the standard socially, religiously, legally, Mm -hmm. the standard that most of our parents told us. So anything outside of that may be referred to as queer. So I, I looked a little bit into why, when and how the word queer started being used more as a reappropriated term and less as a pejorative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found this article from um, an organization called Learning for Justice. So I want to read you a little bit from it. Um, they say, reclamation is messy. The word queer holds in its history both pain and empowerment. It has been a dagger and a hug, a dismissal and a welcome sign, a put down and a motivation to stand up and march. Um, blah, blah, blah. For many people, the word queer will never seem appropriate due to its history as a pejorative. Um, but we, we're both aware of like lots of different words that 
were slash are still a pejorative if used by certain people <clears throat> in certain times. But like, yeah, I mean, bitch I, is a good example. Exactly. And like Lizzo, right? Lizzo is super positive. Not she like none of her music is not filthy and negative. And one of her main things is I am 100% that bitch. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's not, she doesn't mean it in a pejorative way. She means she is that bitch in a good way. Yeah. And that's beautiful. If someone else was like, Lizzo, you're a bitch. That might be different than her <laughs> saying. <laughs> I want to make it clear. I think Lizzo is a hundred percent that bitch, not a bitch. Yeah. Okay? She's that um, Yeah. So, um, a little bit more from this article. They say the reclamation of the word queer, um, especially is related to the LGBTQ rights movement. Um, it started actually after the Stonewall riots in 1969. So it's a little bit older that people have been reclaiming it than maybe we think. Like if anybody thinks this is just a millennial thing, you're a little bit wrong. (laughs) For example, um, a lot of the early pride marches included the slogan, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Right. Remember that guys. Okay. Um, they, people said that they were using it as a way to demand to no longer be left in the margins, to demand that we would redefine what is normal and what is strange, which is what queer's original meaning is and why it was placed on gay people like a scarlet letter. Queer just meant abnormal. And now we're saying, yeah, I'm abnormal and that's cool. Right. Yep. I'm queer. Right. Cool. Um, so they also, this organization, um, Learning for Justice, has a best practices for serving LGBTQ students. They like publish this guide for people. And this is one of the notes in their guide. We recognize the complicated history of the word queer and that its reclamation as a positive or even neutral term of identity isn't universally accepted. In this guide, we use queer as an inclusive term to refer to those who fall outside of cisgender or heterosexual identities, not as a pejorative. They acknowledge that there's like no perfect umbrella term to encapsulate everybody Mm -hmm. within this community. And so for people who like the word queer, that's one of the options. Um, and that's like part of why most organizations have added the letter Q to LGBT mm-hmm. because it is gender neutral for one thing. Um, and it allows us to a- acknowledge identities left out by LGBT, like intersex people, for example. Right. Um, and it allows us to include members of the community from cultures that express non-hetero, non-cisgender identities with different words and customs, like two-spirit people mm-hmm. um, from the from various native tribes. Um, and this article also mentions the Mahu people from Hawaii, which I don't know much about, but uh, I want to look more into it. Uh, Mahu in the native Hawaiian cultures, I believe, is similar um, to two spirit within other indigenous communities in North America. Huh. I didn't know that. I'm happy yeah. to have learned that new word. Ma. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're going to look more into it. So one other thing from this article, they say having these discussions about identity inevitably will cause discomfort. Terms change, meanings shift And it's hard to divorce our history and pain from the word queer. Mm -hmm. But in conjunction with scholars, activists, civil rights organizations, and increasing number of people within the LGBT community, we hope to use the word queer as a beacon of representation and a push toward empowerment. Now, if you're listening right now and you're like, please don't ever use the word queer towards me, no problem. You do not have to identify with this term. But I do think it's really interesting to learn why 
why many other individuals are using the term, and then also why organizations and groups may also be using that term more broadly. Yeah. Yeah. How interesting. Okay, so as I went down this deep dive, I also went to the Human Rights Campaign website, HRC. So freaking cool. Love them. If any of you ever see those bumper stickers that's like a blue square with a yellow equal sign, that's the Human Rights Campaign people. Um, and they have a glossary of terms um, about sexual orientation and gender identity and expression. Uh, there's lots of stuff on it. It's not all encompassing, but there were a couple on here that I thought we maybe hadn't heard of before. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Gender expansive. Yeah. As opposed to like cisgender or the gender binary or gender non-conforming gender expansive means a person with a wider, more flexible range of gender identity or expression than is typically associated with the binary gender system. So is it, it's used as, an, Oh, sorry to mm, interrupt. Does that mean it's more it, expansive than non-binary? Is that the, like, I think people are just choosing different ways to say this and it means a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically gender expansive is used mostly as an umbrella term referring to people who are exploring the possibilities of their gender expression or gender identity. So maybe somebody hasn't yet landed at, I am Mm non-binary, but they're also like, I'm also not super comfortable with the binary. Right. Maybe I'm gender expansive. So kind of similar to the word queer where someone's like, I don't know if I want to say I'm gay, lesbian, or bi. I just know I'm not exactly straight. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say I'm queer. Like gender expansive could be a way for someone to be like, I don't know if I want to say I'm male, female, or non-binary. I just know that I'm, like, exploring this a little bit. Um, another cool one. Oh, well, part of why I printed this off was that they have their own actual definition for queer. Um, and according to HRC, queer means a term people often use to express a spectrum of identities and orientations that are counter to the mainstream. It's often used as a catch-all to include many people including those who do not identify as exclusively straight or folks who have non-binary or gender expansive identities. It was previously used as a slur, but has since been reclaimed by many people in the LGBTQ plus movement. I like that. Um, Yeah. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say about it, but um, uh, a little plug for anyone who might be more interested to like, look this up. This was a very shallow dive Mm -hmm. into the topic, Um, but there's a ton more stuff out there that might be interesting. If this tickles your fancy. Thanks for sharing. That was good. Yeah. And I'm also laughing that even though I think I'm having an original thought, I'm not because we both came with like new glossary terms and like fun phrases and things. Isn't that funny? Or not so fun phrases in my case, but. I swear to God, we don't talk about this stuff in advance. We just end up, I'm like, I'm coming up with something totally unique. And then it's like, oh, Rebecca's on the same page. How funny. And indicative that we spend so much of our time together. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Well, um, to kind of wrap us up, the the outro question that I had for you was, um, again, the the show's title is kind of a double entendre, The Purge, but not a dirty one. So get your minds out of the gutter, everybody. (laughs) Um, So since we just had a full moon, 
last week, which is all about abundance. And it's also about revealing obstacles in our paths, like what's preventing us from achieving our goals. I was curious, Rachel, what do you plan to purge, if anything, in the next month or hope to purge? Oof. Oh, such a good question. I feel like I'm always purging something. Mm -hmm. Um, I read a really cool quote. I can't remember if I told you this one or not, but I read this quote online. Um, someone said something about how it's like basically a trap that we all spend the first two thirds of our lives accumulating stuff that we're going to spend the last third of our life getting rid of. Mm. And that really resonated with me and inspired me. Now that we've been living in Hawaii for almost a year, I went through all my clothes to figure out which of them, first of all, don't actually fit me and are never going to fit me. Uh, Or maybe will fit me in the future, but they don't fit me right now. Who cares? Right. Um, And which things also are like not really appropriate for here. Like I just don't find myself ever wearing them because I don't need as many office clothes or Mm -hmm. it's too freaking hot. I'm not going to wear it. Right. Um, so I got rid of like three bags of donated clothing that I gave and shoes. I had some like nice shoes that I was like, I'm just, I'm never going to wear these again. Right. Yeah. So does that count as purging? Yeah. I mean, of course, you won't be surprised to hear that's exactly the, the answer that I have. So my plan over the next month no! is to, yeah, you've already done it though, but I, my plan is to get rid of stuff that I, it's funny because we pared down quite a bit before we made this big move and, and now I find myself here wanting even less, which is, I want to lean into that because I think you and I both have a tendency to yeah. collect treasures that end up just like kind of cluttering up our rooms and spaces. And so I've been, yeah, clothes in particular, because there's just stuff that you're like, I don't want to wear it. It's hot or it doesn't wear right or it doesn't doesn't wick sweat or whatever other things we might yeah. want here in the tropics. And and it's nice to keep, I was keeping some of those outfits because like when I travel to the mainland, it's nice to already have these things, but I'm feeling more and more confident that I'm not going anywhere in winter. So I don't need to keep these I clothes also, all, all these all the time on the off chance I'll wear them once on a yeah. trip. Yeah. And I think for me, this is more of a problem than it is for you, but I have too much of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I like pulled out the sweaters that I saved because I'm about to be traveling and it's going to be cold. It's going to be so cold. And I was like, oh, great. I have some like work appropriate cold weather attire. Mm-hmm. And then I pulled it out and I had to like choose which like two or three outfits to bring from that pile. And I have more than two or three options. So it's almost annoying that I'm like, I brought this all the way here. I like stored it for a year and now I have an opportunity to wear it, but I can't fit it all in my suitcase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So why am I keeping that many outfits if I can't ever bring them all with me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah hilarious would you mind i know that this was actually you had you had put this as like maybe if we have time in the connects and corrects Uh but would you tell us a little bit about um this week's horoscope about pluto i want to hear this from you and i think we have a minute yeah oh yeah we have we have all the minutes we need (laughs) uh we're not going anywhere so yeah so this past week's uh horoscope that tracy sent us was really interesting because as you for anybody who's not familiar with how the planets move through the earth or through the sky, all, all of the, like, how many planets are there? Eight, nine. We're not totally sure if Pluto's a planet, however many that'll be next week's correct. Um, so they're all like going around the (laughs) sun, right? And Pluto happens to be the furthest one out. 
Some scientists decided it wasn't a planet. I don't like that because I grew up always hearing it was a, a planet. It's kind of like the queer reclaiming. I'm not ready to to like embrace that it's not a planet. Anyway, it's a dwarf planet. Yeah, especially especially when it's science telling you that you're wrong. I'm I'm fuck the science. I'm struggling. Your childhood is correct. Major struggles. Yeah. So, all right. So Pluto, <laughs> as you can imagine, then takes the longest amount of time to create to like complete one revolution around the sun. So. Um, having said that, that means that Pluto basically is in the same part of the sky for most of the time for several years in a row, and it slowly, slowly moves its way across. So Tracy was just reminding us that um, Pluto, its job is to, in our lives and in our birth charts, its job is to empower us by revealing the ways in which we are disempowered, which is pretty heavy, some heavy shit, Pluto. And since 2008, Pluto's been in the sign of Capricorn, and we've been undergoing a cycle of demolish and re-erect in whatever area of your life Pluto was having an impact on from 2008 until now, 2022. And so what Tracy was um, telling us in the horoscope was just to prepare yourself because in spring of 2023, Pluto's officially leaving the sign of Capricorn and moving into Aquarius, which just means we're going to start a new cycle of demolish and re-erect, but in whatever aspects or areas of our life Aquarius happens to impact us individually mm. and that that will be going on then for quite a bit of time and for me it was interesting because 2008 that year marked when um, you and I both were like finishing what would be like our primary undergrad college years and basically childhood yeah yeah and embarking on first jobs early careers what are we doing with our lives we don't have the structure of school anymore um and it was it was a little bit of what i refer to as a quarter life crisis of just like being like untethered uh no net under the trapeze and just like it's interesting now because i feel especially in my career like i am in a very stable and like great place and i have like built like quite a little um skill set for myself and it's interesting to hear that like that maybe Pluto was helping me like demolish and re-erect that because I yeah. was going through different jobs and trying on different types of careers and settled on this one. It's just, it's maybe that's not what Pluto is doing, but that's just what I was thinking well, about. What we have to do is we have to see where Capricorn and Aquarius fall on your chart mm. so that we can see like if Capricorn aligns with your career stuff and Pluto has been in Capricorn, that would then make sense. And then where does Aquarius lie? Like, what are you going to be like demolishing and re-erecting yeah. differently yeah. for the coming 20 years? And everybody, just like we said at the top, like consider signing up for TracyLRogers.com's weekly horoscope because then she's going to tell you by just sending you a free annual She'll horoscope. She just tells you. Yeah. So you don't have to be worried about it. She's just going to tell me. And then I'll, I'll, let you, yeah. I'll let you know, Rachel, when I find out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. Well, thanks for cruise directing. This was lots of fun. It was my pleasure. Thanks for joining me on the podcast again. Seven times in a row. Yeah. Seven times. Seven. Seven. Let's try to seven, record one seven. more. <laughs> seven. Seven. <laughs> seven. Seven. Also hilarious is episode seven because we were talking about scary movies and I love the movie Seven. <gasps> but that one's not scary, scary for you. It's just suspenseful. You know what? People lump it in i had to learn to differentiate between suspense and thrillers and true crime and horror mm -hmm. because people said it's a scary movie and it's not it's, it's not nuanced. a horror movie though it's nuanced yeah yeah i totally yeah it's so good yeah well let's watch seven well 
let's do and let's um maybe we can record number eight before i'm traveling and we can slow roll some of these things well now that um, you just said it on the recording we're sort of obligated for all our fans so i guess we I should i said maybe <laughs> i said shh maybe maybe we'll schmod before sh- maybe we'll schmod. travel we don't know yeah we don't know what's going to happen. What's the what? What, what are the consequences? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It's amazing. <laughs> nothing. Oh. Oh. All right. See you in a minute. Beep pop. Beep boop. Boop boop. Beep. Beep pop pop.